Good morning, church. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, first off, we're all about community here at Journey. If you're new today, uh, we hope that you feel welcome. And uh, we just want you to know that we believe that life happens in small groups of people. And uh, we've got small groups that are meeting every single week, and you can find more info at guest services. But there are two newer groups that are starting here in just a few weeks. First off, Celebrate Recovery is starting Monday, uh, March 11th at 6. And those meetings will continue every Monday at 6 afterwards. Uh, shout out to Penny Willett and Samantha Carroll that are heading this up. Round of applause for those volunteers, please. They've worked very, very hard. Uh, they have, a, I believe it's 90 days of training they have to go through to get this put on, and we're so excited to partner with them for that. Uh, so shout out to you guys. Thank you for everything that you're doing with that group. Women's groups beginning new study as well. You can see the info on the screen. Tuesday, March 12th at 6.30. There's a sign-up sheet over here behind this first section of chairs. You can sign up to get a book. There's also more information about a retreat that's happening in April. I believe that's April maybe 8th or something. 12th. April 12th to the 13th. Fresh Grounded Faith in Lexington. And I believe there's some deposit info on that table back there. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up or see Connie for more questions about that. We're still collecting pillowcases. Uh, some of you brought them in this morning, and uh, we thank you for that. We are just short of our goal, I believe, just by doing just a visual looking in that bucket. We need maybe 10 more, and if you can bring more than that, that'd be awesome. So we'll keep this going for a couple more weeks uh, for our friends at Shady Lawn. You can also drop in any pocket change in our tie jug ministry here on the stage, and all of those proceeds will go to that as well. It is March. Uh, for me, it's one of the most best times of the year because it's basketball all month long. Uh, how about that win yesterday for those Wildcats? Amen? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No one clapped. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. All right. But there's also a lot of other things happening this month that we're excited about. And first off, March 17th is Discover. Uh, we're so excited for that, for new people that are here at Journey, and uh, this is an hour talk that we have uh, with staff and elders. You get to know a little bit about us, uh, who we are as a church, how Journey was even started, our core values, and more. And uh, we hope that if you got a letter in the mail, you can RSVP to that number in that letter. Uh, it'd be really fun. It'd be a really awesome afternoon. So uh, join us for that if you got a letter, and if you haven't gotten one, uh, we're still looking through a, a past attendance records and stuff like that to see who needs a letter for Discover. So join us for that if you're available that afternoon. Next potluck is set for March 24th. Uh, the menu is brunch, the brunch bash. Uh, we're excited for this too. Last names A through G, bring finger sandwiches and appetizers. Last names H through P, breakfast casseroles. And last names Q through Z, fruits and sweets. Uh, going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have bingo again. Uh, that was a big hit last time, and the adults got really competitive last time. Uh, a lot of fun. So we're excited for that, too. Uh, one of the highlights of the month, though, uh, which is really the highlight, I would say, of our Christian faith is Easter. Uh, Easter is coming uh, March 31st, and we're excited for that. So join us March 30th on Saturday at 6, Sunday, March 31st at 1030, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together. And we're in a series called I Believe, and this series is about six weeks long. It's going to take us all the way through Easter. And uh, we have a statement each week, and today's statement is, I believe that it's not over. Let's get started.
I believe there's three country ham and biscuit left on that coffee bar. If you didn't get yours, I'd say go for it, man. What a church. You guys are killing it. I don't care what's going on. If you come in here grumpy, you just can't stay that way. It changes. It changes us. You walk in here and something maybe in your week or something that happened in your day yesterday that just kind of set you off and you didn't feel so great about it. And you get here and you find out it's not over. Like, okay, all right. And so it is encouraging to just see you guys smile. And I hope that you're smiling and I hope that you're happy. And, heck, some of you still got to go to see a doctor and you still got to follow up. But there are a lot of good things happening. Uh, there really are. And, it, and it's really just, you know, that we hang on and, wait for it and be patient and sometimes we get anxious and we try to get ahead of God but I, I don't care what it, I don't care what it is it's your biggest battle right now we are better together and uh, it's hard to beat country ham and biscuits on the coffee bar and you just keep bringing it and keep sharing it and doing what you can what kind of church is it that gives away pillowcases to shady lawns it's you guys. It's the church. Come on. I mean, you do this kind of stuff. It's routine now. It's something that's expected. We're starting a CRG group, Celebrate Recovery Group. Who opens up the door of their building and says, hey, we don't know who these people are that are still trying to recover from drug and alcohol, but we want to help them. Just open the door. They'll come. I mean, it's really cool. You really do feel good. Like God's up to something in the world. And it's it's real. It's real. It it is it's actually real. So no matter what caused you your biggest heartburn, let it go. Sometimes you just gotta zip it. Somebody just had a sermon about that. When you can't get over something and you're fixing to say something you shouldn't ought to say, just don't say anything. Zip it. So let's just you know let's get started right. You ready? Say ready. Grab a Bible. We're going to go into the book of Romans, and I'm going to talk about God, and I'm going to talk about sin, and I'm going to talk about Jesus, and you better know what you believe about God and Jesus and sin. And so before I get done with this today, I hope that I made it more clear what the Bible says and what the, what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans. It's not over, but don't get ahead of God here. So, so hang on as we... Take a look at this new series, I Believe It's Not Over, whether you go to church or you don't go to church. There is some hope for all of us, and uh, so I'm going to try to guide you through a few of those thoughts. I know we we got a sin problem we've got to talk about today. We all do. And I'm going to do it in a way that I hope is helpful and not hurtful, and I will talk to you about this sin problem and this God, what I believe about God and Jesus. I want to talk to you in a way, it's like getting your blue jeans dirty. It's like getting your Carhartt jacket with grease on the elbow. And you're like, man, that's my favorite coat. How am I going to go get this grease out? You've got to find a product that will, that will clean down really deep to try to clean up whatever jacket you got on or shirt or pants you got on. It's like your carpet and your floor. You've got to find the right product. Say, product? That'll do a deep clean. Sin is the same way. You've got to find some kind of product that can clean us up. Shout out again to my buddy Kevin. I used this story last night, and I'll say it again. So, Kevin, if you didn't see this last night, maybe you'll catch it today. 
Kevin's my journey friend that came through here several years ago. He's my door-to-door salesman, and he's a floor cleaner salesman. He's got a spray bottle in his hand. He's in Vegas, I think, right now. He just travels all over the place. He's gone all over the country. And Brian and I met Kevin here, and Kevin walked in, and he had a product, and he said, you really need to buy this. And he says, this will clean all your scuff marks on your floor. And before I knew what the guy was doing, he was squirting the bottle in his mouth like, and I thought that was crazy. And then he squirted both eyes. I said, time out, stop doing that. He says, no, 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 it won't hurt. It's great. I eat it and drink it all the time, but it'll clean your floor. And I thought to myself, I meet this door-to-door salesman that's got a product, and he really believes in his product so, so much so that he'd stake his life on it in his eyeballs. Do you believe God that way? I know you're here today because you say you believe in God. Do you really believe in God? And do you believe in God so much that he's the product and can clean up your messes that the Bible calls sin? Do you believe it so much you'd stake your life on it? You'd better, brother, because there ain't nothing else that'd get that stuff out. There is some ground-in kind of dirt in your clothes and in your floor that just won't come clean. And maybe you feel that way right now. Like, I got some stuff that just won't come clean. And that's not true. Jesus takes care of everything. Jesus cleans everything. He is the stain remover for whatever your heartburn and problem is all about today. All right. Start here. Isaiah chapter 1. Put that up there. Put that on the screen. Come on. Come on, Isaiah says. Let's talk about it. Can I reason with you? Let us reason together. Quit making excuses. Quit kicking yourself. Quit kicking somebody next to you. Let's talk about this and sin. Let's let's talk about what we really believe about God. So much so that I'm willing to stake my life on it. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be. They can be. I hope you come back next week, and I hope you come until we get to Easter because we've got some baptisms on Easter. Pray for Jeremy. We got a little guy that was here last night. And he's got some special needs in his life, and he's afraid of water. But my wife, Connie, was sitting down at a table with him last night while we were doing grown-up church. And he came to some kind of conclusion that he needed to be baptized, but he's afraid of water. There have been some things in his life that have scared him about water. And I told him, you can trust me. You can trust Journey, and you can trust God, and we'll work with you. You can do it any time by yourself with just your mom or grandma or anybody else, and we'll go as slow as you need to go, whatever, whatever it takes. What do you believe about this kind of God I'm describing right now? What do you think is too big that God can't handle, can't get the mess that you've made in your marriage, in the community, in the Cynthia and the Democrat forget it 
Come on. Let's reason. Says God. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be. Because Jesus changes everything. Easter is coming next. They shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isaiah tells us that the colors in our life may not be very pretty. Colors scarlet and crimson, colors that are deep red are like a permanent stain, a permanent dye, a deep stain that's virtually impossible to get out of our clothing, to get out of the floor or carpet. But his point is the stain that we've caused in our life by sin appears permanent but if you follow Jesus and Jesus is your savior and you came to somebody's church or you came to some revival meeting or you just met Jesus in the parking lot you and Jesus came to terms with your stain and your sin and you said I'm here to turn myself in if you are that person if you're that person I'm talking to today at online like my friend Kevin who's off in Vegas somewhere if you've made this Jesus decision as a Christian that's been forgiven, as a follower and believer that's been forgiven, you already know what I'm talking about. You already realize that Jesus can change everything and he can forgive us of whatever sin, however bad, however deep it might be. So you're in. That's a good thing. And if you're not in, let's get in. Let's get in and schedule you a baptism too. We're saved by faith through grace at baptism. Galatians tells us. Paul wrote that too. So just put it all together. You got faith? Yeah. You need some grace? Yeah. All right. So why don't you be baptized like Jesus? Not somebody sprinkled some water on your head and said, when you were a baby, we took care of it. No, they didn't. It's a personal choice that you have to make yourself. Like Jeremy, my little friend in the kids' room last night, who realizes I'm 9 years old, I'm 10 years old, and even though I'm afraid of water, I'm a sinner, and I need to do something about it. You need to do something about it who's sitting in this white chair or online. If you've never said, I believe and I need grace and I surrender all, then you need to make your own decision to be baptized by immersion. No politics, no theology, just the Bible. No agenda. Everybody's the same. Jesus changes everything. Everyone in the Bible made the same Jesus decision in the same way. You will be. You'll have a chance if you follow Jesus. You'll be with others who believe the same. I believe it's not over, and we're going to meet them again. Some of you are grieving. God bless those people. Mom, we miss dad. My dad, I did his funeral. My mom's sitting right there. My sister's sitting right there. Some of you also lost your mother or grandmother or your wife or your husband or your dad or mother or uncle or aunt. God bless you guys. I understand, and God does too. It's not over. I believe. I'll stake my life on it. We're going to see them again. You're going to get a chance to see them again. We'll meet them again in heaven. It is a promise, and God is a promise keeper. And they, it's never going to be broken, and God conquers even death. Amen? I believe that. There is no stain that is too deep and dark that God doesn't cover with his blood. 
through Jesus on the cross. That's why we get all excited. So, man, all of us have been dirty, and we've been working on a farm, and we've been out doing yard work, and that's coming next, and spring is here, and old, you know, Punk's Tawny Field or whatever you want to call him, and he's right. Let's get together and let's get cleaned up. Let's get the yard cleaned up. Let's get the world cleaned up. Easter's next. Let's get things cleaned up. It's not over. And that's where some of us are right now is I'm in, but now I need to keep working on this. Here's the other side of the room and the other group that's watching online. Some of you are thinking to yourself, that sounds great, preacher, but I'm not sure that I need to do all that. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good person. I'm not in the Democrat. I'm not an addict. I don't have any kind of bad behavior that's going to really keep me out of heaven. I don't think so. I think I'm a good person, and so I'm, I'm going to just try to be good enough. And so some of you are offended when I call you a sinner. Some of you are offended when I call you out and shout you out and say, hey, you need to straighten up. Some of you don't like that because you're arrogant, because you're prideful, because you think that you are good enough. And you're on that camp. You're in that group. That's a bad idea. When you think you don't need Jesus, when you don't think that you need the church, when you don't think that you need a prayer, when you don't think you need a little grace and mercy because you're pretty smart and you kind of hold things together. And most people don't really know your private life or your private thoughts. But I'll tell you somebody that does. The man. He does. God. And so that's where we go with, I believe, I believe whether you're an insider or outsider, whether you have a relationship with God already because of Jesus and you've already been baptized or you've never done that because you don't think you really need to do that. You think that you're good enough and you've convinced yourself that you're doing okay. I, I believe that you're just going through another spin cycle trying to get something out, a stain out of your clothes or out of the carpet. It's not coming out with your own effort. Andy Stanley says there's only one other choice if you're not a sinner. You start calling yourself yourself a mistaker. If you're not a sinner, if all you are is a mistaker, all you have to do is to do better. That's where some of you are. You don't like that. I'm not a sinner. I'm not as bad as whoever. So I believe that we all need Jesus, honestly. Smarty pants, whoever you are. Or liar, cheater, whoever you are. Honestly, I believe we just need Jesus. Amen? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. All right. So let me give you three takeaways about what we believe and what the Bible says. Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. I'm going to introduce that. You guys at home, I hope you're still with me. Because I, I want you to really know what you believe about God and about sin and about Jesus who gets out the stains that you can't get out. Here's number one, what I really believe. I really, really, really believe the people who don't know about God are in a whole lot of trouble. 
I was one of those people. Say amen? Yep, yep. I believe you can go party hardy and all all kinds of things, and you can ignore everybody else who call a bunch of hypocrites and a bunch of crazy wacko people. I don't care what you say. But if you don't know God in a personal way, you're in a whole lot of trouble. Romans chapter 1, let's read it. I believe that God is serious, and it says he's, he's pretty upset. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress, men and women who suppress the truth by their behavior and words and actions. Big mouth. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And so chapter 1 is like a torpedo right to the heart. If you're pretty arrogant and prideful right now and you don't like a word I'm saying because it really makes you mad that I'm calling you out and I'm singling you out in this room or online, you don't much like that at all. And these guys didn't much like it in chapter 1 that Paul the Apostle is calling out these people who don't care or know a bit about God in any way. Matter of fact, they're not even trying. Outsiders, spiritual outsiders, pagans, call them whatever you want to call them. Unchurched people, loser kind of people, people of the world. People who seem to be having a pretty good time without any help from anybody else. And so you can almost hear everybody who does go to church, everybody who's the insider. You can almost hear everybody when Paul says in chapter 1, verse 18, you guys are in a heap of trouble. God's at, he's really mad at you, and hell is hot and heaven's not. And you got it coming, and here it comes. And you can almost hear all the church crowd people let out a big, amen, go get them, preacher. Tell them right now, God, let, let them have it. Amen? Yeah, you can almost hear it. And we'd, we'd feel pretty good if the preacher just ended the sermon right there saying all those wicked, crazy, wacko people, politics and everywhere else, whoever you are, all them crazy people, God's going to get you and you're in a lot of trouble. If he just stopped right there, it'd be great, but he doesn't stop right there. When he starts talking about people are going to be in trouble who don't know God, look at chapter 2. Look what he says in chapter 2. He's talking to us who are in church already that day. He's speaking to the church crowd. He says, you know what? You guys got some problems as well. Chapter 2, look at what it says. Chapter 2, verse 1, put that on the screen. I believe we're all in trouble. You who are in church and wagging your finger at people who are not in church. Nanny, 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 boo-boo. Yeah. That's, look, at, look at it. You guys, you religious insiders, you spiritual insiders, you Jewish people, you followers of Jesus who were Jewish, you therefore who are going to church right now have no excuse. You who pass judgment on your crazy wacko neighbor over there, on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you pass judgment, you do the same sort of things. That's a ouchie for all of us who felt pretty good about the group he was talking about in chapter 1 until he got to chapter 2 and he's talking about me. And that kind of hurts. That kind of stings. So the Gentiles who don't go to church, the unchurched crowd, a lot of our friends, the spiritual outsiders are in big trouble and that's why we want to invite them here. Come on. Come on. You got to go hear that preacher. You got to go hear him. You got to eat our you got to eat our country ham and biscuits that they're going to give away. You want them to come 
when they're not coming because you want them to hear the good news that God's for people like them. Say amen? But when you get here and you enjoy the country hymn, you can't just sit there in them white chairs thinking, well, I'm here, I've arrived, and that's all there is to it. God wants to change you up. He's wanting you to give up some stuff. You show up in somebody's church and you think, I just got myself some fire insurance. You got yourself homeowner insurance. Oh, it floods. I live in Cynthia and Harrison County in the big river. It floods. Remember the big flood? I need some flood insurance. Or it has tornadoes, so I need some kind of, I need some protection from the tornadoes that come through Connersville and knock all these houses. I want some insurance. So you come to a church like Journey or somebody's church and you think, because I went to a church and I got baptized and I got a Bible and I'm just walking around talking to people all the time, I got myself some, some fire insurance. Hell is hot and hell is not. I, got my, I just need to come like paying the premium every month. I show up now and then, put a quarter in the bucket, and I'm okay. Wrong idea. Say, wrong idea? God wants to flip you around too. Buster. You who go to church. God says, come on now, reason with me. The people who don't go to church, they're in a lot of trouble. But even you who go to church and refuse to change and refuse to grow up and refuse to become responsible and role models for your kids and you guys who are just hanging on to stuff, this bad stuff, Jesus covers everything. His blood is for everyone, but you need to get off of that. And if you don't, you're in a lot of trouble too. Say amen? Yeah, that was the preacher's sermon. That's what he said. They didn't much like it either. That kind of got all over my feet. And as you can imagine, some people gave some pushback. And said, okay, smart aleck, you're the preacher talking. Prove it. And so he did. He gave him some more. Chapter 3. He does a little autopsy here. I don't need to see any cardiologist. I only smoke a pack a day. Smarty. I don't really need to stop drinking. I only got wine in the cooler right now. Well, I don't use any of them kind of words except when I get angry, and I don't get angry that much, do I? The preacher does a little autopsy on us, and he cracks us open like a coconut, red, yellow, black, and white. Look at what he finds. Romans 3, verse 9. I believe we're all in a lot of trouble, insiders and outsiders. Until you get serious with God, and begin to let God change you and transform you in your heart to become the person and the version he wants you to be. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? All us good people that go to church? Not at all. We've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles, insiders and outsiders, all alike are under, under sin. We're not Jesus Nobody gets it right all the time. As it's written, verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Not really, not all the time, not consistently. All have turned away. Yep, even the disciples that came to arrest him, Judas gave the kiss, 
and they all ran to hide, run for their life. So do we. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. No one who does good, not even one. Their mouth, their throat, open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Surely not. Not people like me. Their mouths are full of cursing, bitterness. Have you ever lied after you met Jesus? Oh, yeah, I sure have. I thought I had that. thought I was over with that. Well, you're probably doing better, but you're not over with it. You ever looked at some pornography and you said, man, I wish I didn't have that bad habit. And then you met Jesus and said, okay, I'm glad I'm better, but you're still doing it some on the side. You wish you didn't do it. Yeah, probably so. Have you been bitter? Has your tone of your voice and the words coming out of your mouth, have they been inappropriate? Have you ever let go and just, yeah, probably, guilty, guilty, guilty. Verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood, throw them under the bus, ruin and misery, mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. You're never going to have any peace in your house. Mm-mm. Never going to have any peace in your marriage, never going to have peace in life. Why? There is no fear of God before them, before their eyes. They do not respect and honor God. They're not trusting God. And when you get cracked open like the coconut, it's dirty and dark, the human race. Say amen. That's people. That is people. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For there is no difference between us and them and this. Those who go to church and those that don't, we're all just people. Since we compile this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, you've got a record. Well, I'll be. We all got a record. Yeah, yeah. Jesus covers our sin and he expunges our record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we keep the list. It keeps going. And we all need Jesus, insiders and outsiders. Honestly, I think we just need Jesus. Say amen. Yeah, that is, that's it. So the first the first takeaway is we're all in a lot of trouble, insiders and outsiders. If you don't get serious about God, we're in a lot of trouble. And here's the second thing. If you read the Bible, I believe if you read the Bible and you don't just put it down like it's some kind of book on the shelf and never read it for yourself, but if you really start to read the Bible, the only conclusion is possible is we are all sinners, not just mistakers. Romans 3.23, there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the Bible's clear, yet there's no difference no matter what. You can't just walk this one off. There's nobody like grandma or grandpa or somebody that's like a priest or a preacher. Nobody gets it right all the time. We're not Jesus, and you don't get graded on the curve. Ain't happening. Yep. I never, I never have beat up my wife. My wife never beat up me, so I'm not in that group. Okay, well, great. Well, you got some other problem because you're not Jesus. And that's the problem. You may not be pagan Pete, but you got a problem, and that's called sin. Insiders and outsiders. And that's an issue that we have to be honest with. If you read the Bible, he's talking about all of us. So you can't grow proud and arrogant like the Jewish people did who actually arrested Jesus and said, he's got, he's got to quit preaching like that. He's stirring up the whole crowd. And they had this religious heritage they'd inherited. Some of you inherited church from your parents. They went to church and they took you, so okay, then I guess I ought to go to church. Some of you followed the pattern, but it wasn't really what you wanted to do. It wasn't, your, wasn't what you really believe. You wouldn't stake your life on it. And so today when your kids leave high school 
and they go to college, 80%, Brian, 80% of the kids who graduate 12th grade in high school in America today, they also leave church. Why is that? Because they went because they had to go. They didn't really believe it, that they really needed it, that it was really vital. And so we got a problem. Say, problem? Yeah, you and I got a problem. And even those who go to church, they never tithe. They never give time or talent or treasure. They let somebody else, even those who go to church, it's somebody else who grows and matures and becomes a fully developed follower. So they just come and consume. Say, consume? Why is that? Because we don't really believe that I'm in trouble if I don't keep growing and developing my spiritual life and becoming a better version of who God wants me to be. We think this is good enough. Even after we've accepted Jesus, we just stay stale. Say stale? Not good enough. Being good is not good enough. And so that's what you find if you actually read the Bible. There's no difference. Romans 3.23, like I just read a moment ago, there is no difference between us and them and this kind of sorry record that we had before Jesus and even after Jesus. And so it's not one of those feel-good kind of messages, but it is the truth. I, you really want to know the truth, and I, I'm trying to tell you about the truth about God and the Bible and sin, and I hope you really figure this out because you need some kind of product that's going to clean up the stains that you can't get out. And there are some things in our life that we've done that you just can't straighten out yourself. I'll hurry with this thought, but here's the thought. It's an illustration. Whether you like it or it's helpful, I don't know. But I, I used it last night, and I'll throw it out here again. It's kind of like target practice. Some of you are hunters, and you have pistols and guns and rifles, and you deer hunt, rabbit hunt, squirrel hunt, I don't know. Hunt, hunt. Some of you are just guys that like to hunt. I grew up that way. Or maybe you're an archer. Maybe you're just like target practice. Maybe you've got a pistol and you go to the target range and you just like to shoot targets. That's fine. So the mission, if you do have arrows or bullets or you're an archer or a hunter, is the bullseye. Expert. Boom. Hit the bullseye. I went to the rifle range. I'm a veteran. I, I fired my M16. I got qualified. I got my badge. Some of you sitting in the room are veterans, you know. The goal is to be able to hit the bullseye every time. problem is that you can't hit the bullseye every time. As the target moves, it gets farther away. It's harder to hit. The distance is greater. You don't do the breathing correctly. Your trigger's technique's not very good. Next thing you know, your bow, it just doesn't work, and so you don't hit the bullseye. But you do get close. Say close? Oh, I got the fourth ring because it's a 300-yard target. I got the fourth ring. I didn't get the bullseye, but I got the fourth ring. Or no, I got the third. Or no, I got the second ring. I hit the second ring. I didn't get the bullseye, but I got in the second ring. And so what you and I begin to do is we justify ourselves by the badge that we got and the ring that we hit, and we say, oh, it's okay. I'm better than so-and-so because, you know, I'm in a second ring and he's in a fourth ring. I'm a better shot than he is. I'm, Mr. I'm a Nimrod, buddy. I'm the Nimrod because I got closest more often than he did. 
And in our culture, in our world today, we begin to compare ourselves and we, we begin to label ourselves like a four-ring or third-ring or two-ringer or one-ring. I'm not a bullseye. Now and then I hit the bullseye. And we think that's good enough. And the problem is there's only one bullseye person who ever lived. That's Jesus who got it right all the time. And all the rest of us, it doesn't matter on the outside because sin is missing the bullseye. And you can't hit the bullseye every time unless you're Jesus. Marvel Comics, it's a great story, but it ain't true. They're not superheroes either. They're imaginations that we've made up. And in our world, we begin to think of ourselves like, okay, I could do that most of the time. And so what are you going to do the other times when you miss the bullseye? You need Jesus. You need some kind of cleansing agent, a product that you trust and you stake your life on. That when you've got something happen in your life, a DUI, and they haul me off to jail and I sit in prison for a while, you need something besides what you were trying before because that didn't get all the stain out. It still shines through. Only Jesus can take that stain out, Buster. Amen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're all in trouble. Insiders and outsiders, and if you read the Bible and you're serious about it, <laughs> we need a little help. We need some kind of antidote, some kind of cleansing agent, because we're not making it perfect every time. We can't compare my shot with somebody else's shot, and that sets me up for the last one, last takeaway. And I'm almost done. We're in trouble, all of us, with insiders and outsiders, and we need some help. We need some kind of cleansing agent. We need some kind of help with the sin that everybody has in their life. And if you actually get a do-over with God, if God gives you a second chance or a third chance or whatever, seven seventh chance or 70 times seven or whatever number it is if God gives us another opportunity we are created with this opportunity to reflect the glory of God put that down there God didn't give you that job at Toyota or wherever it is that you make 1825 or 35 dollars an hour God didn't give you that whatever money that came in the mail that you went and spent on yourself and had a good time. God didn't give that just for you. If your life got better, it wasn't just for you. If you prayed a prayer like, well, God, will you take this away and whatever it is, your addiction or your health issue or whatever, I'm tired of cancer tree. I don't know. If God healed you, it's not just for you, Buster. I told Brian this morning, what's wrong in our culture today is that we have people that want to succeed, but they want to succeed for their own glory. It's not for your glory. If something good happens in your life, it's from Jesus, and you should reflect Jesus. Not like, hey, I'm the boss. Like, I'm a dog. Yeah, I'm cool. If you've got cool stuff in your life, if you are kind of a cool person, that's okay. But if it's all about you, that's all wrong. It's not about us. We have to reflect the glory of God 
And, and God wants us to represent him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is not Romans, but look at verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces will hopefully all reflect the Lord's glory, the real picture, because we're being transformed. If you're not being transformed, it's for your glory. It's your face that everybody sees. When you tell everybody, look at the car that I'm driving, look at the truck I've got, or you tell everybody, look at the bike that I'm riding, if you are bragging and showing everybody and boasting about what you have, it's what you are showing. It's your reflection. It's not God's reflection through you. Look at my house. Look at my money. God wants us to reflect his glory because we're transformed. Our heart is changed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit of the big S. So when God made Adam and Eve the first two people on the planet, and he looked at them, what did he see? He saw what you see when you had your little baby and went to the hospital and your little boy or girl baby, your little infant, when you looked at their little blue eyes or brown eyes or you saw the color of their hair or their eyebrows or you saw the color of their skin, as you looked at your little baby, you saw a reflection of you. You. Yeah. They, they, they were... A bit of you. They had a part of you. And as they grow up, that little baby infant, they begin to walk and talk and have behavior. They, they look a lot like you. They act a lot like you. I'm growing up and I'm becoming just like my father. Who, who said that before? Or my mother. Yeah. We, and so God, when he made these people, God, when he made the first two people, he looked at them as his children. And they had this perfect reflection and image of God until they disobeyed. Adam and Eve did what we do. They wanted to take all the glory for themselves. When Satan whispered in their ear and said, oh, he didn't really mean that, that he's God, you can be God too. That's what you're thinking right now. Well, I can do this part of the time with God. I can give some of my bad habits to God. I can give some of my thoughts to God. And what you're doing is trying to steal the glory from God. That's for him. And we have to give it all. We have to reflect God and his image in us every day. Say amen. All right, write this down. Bottom line, this is the picture of all of us that I'm describing. We're in trouble. All of us insiders and outsiders who go to church or don't go to church. If you read the Bible and you're honest, I believe that you're going to see that everybody is. You can't just call yourself a mistaker. I made a mistake. And if you've gotten it straightened out and God is working in your life to show you some grace and forgiveness, then it's for his glory, not just for yours. There is no difference. And that's why we need a Savior. That's why we need a product that will take the stains out that nothing else will so that we can bring glory to God again. And the blood of Jesus is the only way to be forgiven. And we have to be willing to trust him, to obey him, uh, you got to ask this question, what do I really believe about God? We're going to pass the communion, and I'm going to read a verse of Scripture. We're going to take the communion cups. And if you're new at Journey, uh, we found out last night that we had some new people, and they didn't know there's two cups here. The cracker's in the bottom, and the juice is in the top. So you can pull them apart real carefully, and you've got the cracker and the juice together. If you are a 
follower of Jesus. We also had this question about who should take communion last night. And so some of the kids were taking communion and they were confused about it. Everybody else has done it. Why can't I have one of those? And we had to have a little teaching moment. And maybe you should have a teaching moment with your kids too. Communion is for those people who have a relationship with God through Jesus and they have surrendered all. It is that moment when we turn ourselves in and say, I, I am dirty, whether I'm nine years old or ten years old, I have some sin in my life and I need Jesus. And so that's who communion is for. Before that period in your life, you're innocent of, you're really a child. You're, you haven't made the record, you haven't recognized that you are accountable, that you're old enough now to make better choices and decisions. So for some people, it's six years old that happens, 10 years old, 12 years old. 16 or 60. I still have people that make decisions for Jesus much later in life because they just haven't figured it out. So communion is for people who have turned themselves in and have developed a relationship with God through Jesus who is their Savior. That's who communion is for. And if your kids haven't made that decision, they shouldn't be taking communion. They should wait until they recognize that that communion is for those who started this relationship with God, with Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus' blood takes away the sins of the world. And that's what I read last night. That's what I prayed about tonight, or today. That's what I prayed about last night. That's what I prayed about today. And so if you've got your cup, go ahead and put the cracker in your mouth. Chew it up a little bit. You guys who are home, I hope you're doing communion as well. If you follow Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, and if you're still seeking and searching for what is truth and what you really believe about God and sin and the Bible and Jesus, who our Savior, if you're still searching for answers, that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. I get it. Just hang on. Just wait for it. Wait until you're ready and it's clear in your mind. Whatever age. But if you've made that decision, it's clear that you need some help and you need another do-over, even though it's only been seven days together. Let's pray. Honestly, God, I think we just need Jesus. And so give us that assurance that no matter how grumpy we were when we came in the building or what kind of baggage we drug in here behind us, you just took it away. You took it off of our shoulders and we laid it down and you picked it up and it's gone for now. So I pray, God, that Satan will not grab us before we get out the door. May we be strong. May we be full of your spirit, your Holy Spirit, and, and clear on what the Bible says and what we believe. I believe it's not over. May we be certain of that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Drop your little cups in that basket as it goes in front of you. If you've got an offering, put it in. Uh, put it in the plate and if you want to help us with uh, maybe some of the pillowcases that we're going to give Shaylon, put it in a tide jug so that's how it works and you guys who are home you guys join us I hope you'll come back and I hope this series got started with a bang you'll come back and see the next session part two next week bring somebody with you and uh, let's talk about I believe it's not over and there's more next week to learn so you guys who are still in the crowd, still here with us, let's sing one more song. If you want to pray today before we're done, come on down the hallway. <laughs>